Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsbo. Well, gentlemen, at long last, uh, it's, been a, it's been a ways getting here, but we have finally come to the Illinois preview. I thought we weren't going to get to do it this year. I know. Been I know. It's it's nice. It's good feels. Good feels tonight. Yeah, Illinois. Um, boy, I mean, I, I still can't get over the fact that they went six and six last year. I, I mean, honestly, like the horseshoe. Well, and let me ask you guys: Has the horseshoe dropped out of their asses or not? I I shouldn't take this one because I. Just use my horseshoe bit with Minnesota. So uh, I'm, I'm setting you up for another one if you want it. I mean. <laughs> yes, double horseshoe. Yes, absolutely. That definitely exists. Uh, you know, it it, I, it, I, it it pretty clearly fell out of their their butt the last two games of the year. Yeah, I I don't want to step on where we're going to be going a while from now in this preview, but uh, this this particular schedule not horseshoe conducive, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> Let's start the way we normally start, John. Um, tell us about whatever defense they might be uh, planning to run out tonight. Okay, so like I said, um, we we had this big gap, right, where we had this big layoff. We were unable to do Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois, and then Miracle of Miracles, Big Ten came back, and we've finally been able to run through these teams. So last week, we finally were able to get Minnesota up. And as I said, if you listen to that one, you know that I already used my horseshoe up the butt, you know, bit with Minnesota, where it certainly applied. Uh, So let's just say um, that if you were in Champaign last year and you followed that ever-present rich scent of ripe manure, and if you've been to Champaign, you know what I'm talking about, um, (laughs) you would have found... A hell of a lot of four-leaf clovers growing in that manure. Let's just put it that way. Um, So, God, where to begin? This was a defense that was on the field for six victories and a bowl game last year, as Sam said. And you all saw this defense. Mick McCall's game plan for the Illinois game last year could basically be summed up as I know I'm out the door tomorrow, but I'm going to try my darndest to take Andrew Marty's dead body out the door with me. And not only did that plan work, it really worked. Um, Hell, Illinois did not have a single guy on the field who could tackle. Um, Let me check my notes. Coco Azima last year. (laughs) You mean our, our safety? Yes. Who still has four years of eligibility remaining as safety. Um, And this team friggin' beat Wisconsin. So what the holy hell was going on last year? So allow me to explain. Let's take a look at the top nine teams in the nation last year in terms of turnovers gained. Within this group, we see Clemson, Alabama, and Notre Dame. We see San Diego State, who finished fifth in the nation in total defense last year. We see 22nd ranked Oregon. We see 39th ranked Baylor. We see top 50 defenses from FAU and Arizona State. And then we see the 11th ranked total defense in the Big Ten. How the heck do we explain this? 
Simple. Illinois was second in the nation in fumbles recovered. So, was Illinois just flying all over the field and tearing the ball free with abandon? No, not really. Illinois was second in the nation in recovered fumbles because they were fifth in the nation in percent of forced fumbles recovered. To give that stat some context, Illinois recovered better than 65% of its forced fumbles last year, which is way outside the statistical norm. As you might expect, the statistical norm there hovers around 50% because fumbles are basically a luck stat. Um, We recovered 50% of the fumbles we forced last year. So for Illinois, this is another way of saying they lucked into five extra recovered fumbles above luck last year. Do you know how big of a deal that is? There's a really easy way to demonstrate. Wisconsin lost two fumbles to Illinois. If Wisconsin recovers either of those fumbles, they beat Illinois, and Illinois goes 5-7 and seven in a season that ends with Northwestern stomping their ass. If, if Wisconsin recovers, if Wisconsin loses both those fumbles, but loses them on the other side of the 50, i.e. in Illinois territory, instead of within their own red zone, they beat Illinois last year. Yeah, and as long as we're talking about luck that extends directly outside of fumbles, um, the luck for Illinois most certainly didn't stop at fumbles last year. Um, Lovey, who's rapidly developing into real transfer portal McGee, um, actually lucked into an actual grad transfer portal success story last year. And Oluwale Batiko Jr., who was basically hurt his entire career at USC, showed up at Illinois as a grad transfer and put up nine sacks, which was practically the amount of sacks the rest of the team had combined. So Batico Jr.'s contribution had a lot to do with Illinois rising up to ninth in the conference in pass defense. Now, you might be saying, ninth? They rose up to ninth? Yeah, that's a long way up for Illinois, okay? Um, Further helping the pass defense for Illinois was the fact that Nate Hobbs developed into a solid cover corner, which Illinois hasn't had in years. Sophomore Sidney Brown blossomed at safety and had three picks and finished second on the team in tackles. So if you're listening to this and thinking, well, it sounds like Illinois had some pretty good players last year, you're not wrong. So what gives? The answer is simple. This is a garbage defensive line. And I mean wet garbage. No defensive lineman other than Batiku, who's obviously gone now, had three sacks last year. And this was a line that was way better against the pass than they were against the run. Here's how bad this line was on the ground. Illinois' starting linebackers put up a ridiculous 288 tackles last year, led by Dele Harding's 153 tackles. If you throw in Brown's 88 tackles, that's 376 tackles from four players for, wait for it, the 13th ranked run defense in the conference. Can you imagine how bad a line has to be to produce a statistical anomaly like an anomaly like that? You don't have to, because you saw us manhandle this group last year 
basically by just calling quarterback sneak on every other play. So, on to this season. Patiku is gone, and Harding is gone. Hobbs and Brown are back in the secondary, and they're clearly good players. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. No one is going to throw on this defense. I mean, it's not like a quarterback wouldn't have time to throw, because Batiku's gone now. But why bother, bother throwing at a pretty decent group of defensive backs when you can just carry the ball out to where they're standing anyway? Um, Milo Eifler and Jake Hansen are back at linebacker, and they're not half bad, but they sure as hell aren't replacing Harden's ridiculous tackle numbers from last year. And I'm going to go ahead and say that Hansen isn't going to somehow force seven fumbles again this year either. It's basically impossible for Illinois to get that lucky a second year in a row. They're not getting 150 plus tackles out of the blue from a senior linebacker. They aren't hitting the grad transfer lottery at defensive end again, and they sure as hell aren't finishing in the top 10 in the nation in turnovers by sheer chance again. And remember, all of this luck got Illinois six flipping wins, the number 10 scoring defense in the conference, and their seventh trout slapping by Big Brother in the past eight years. So in conclusion, don't worry. Champagne Santa might have shaved his beard, but we're still going to see the return of the Illinois defense that we all know and love this year. John, John just to just to just to lean in on that on those rushing stats. So we've talked about the Wisconsin game and how that went wrong for them. Their other three Big Ten wins, Purdue, Rutgers, and Michigan State were three of the bottom four teams in the Big Ten in terms of rushing yards per game. Yeah, um, the Skeddy starting off slightly different this year. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, but again, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get there. to that. We'll get to that. Um, before we do, uh, Scuzz, let's talk about their offense. I know they had uh, a running back opt out uh, of the season. Um, is that going to mean anything for them? I mean, I... I can't, for the life of me, can't even think of anyone on this Illinois offense that I should uh, be worried about. Yeah, it's not great, Bob. (laughs) So this offense was objectively bad in 2019. They averaged 12 yards more per game than Northwestern. And we all saw how true that was in the last game of the year when, to John's earlier point, like, we just said, hey, Andrew Marty, we would like you to run over this team um, and sacrifice your body to do so. They benefited from 10 pl- plus 10 net turnovers, yet that didn't improve their scoring rate from the prior year. That's stunning. They went from minus four net turnovers to plus 10 and got no better in average yard in average points per game. Uh, this was in part due to a 50% increase in sacks allowed. They also stunningly lost 100 yards per game off their team rushing average. You can probably guess how this happened. Much like the D-line was the problem on the defense, their offensive line last year was terrible. Now, they were pretty decent in 2018, and they just they dropped off precipitously, both in adjusted line yards and in their pass protection stats. Some of this you can, you can attribute to the QB shift. So they went from a, a combination of mobile guys like A.J. Bush and M.J. Rivers, who played in 2018, for the most part, uh, to the statuesque Brandon Peters here in 2019. Uh, but Peters did virtually nothing to compensate, as the passing numbers only increased moderately, like I think like 15 or 20 yards per game. 
he did throw 18 touchdowns, which is a really big improvement over 2018, but he only threw with 55% accuracy and posted the lowest yards per catch, let alone yards per attempt for Illinois of the last seven years. Uh, Matt Robinson, who, who spelled Peters in a couple games, including the Northwestern game, was no better when he played. And surprisingly, Isaiah Williams, my kind of X-Factor guy going into the year, the deadly dual threat that I feared the most uh, when we were doing our team previews last summer, barely saw the field. Williams even played wide receiver in the bowl game, which is just kind of weird. So despite the six win, I mean, like a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here in 2019. Any rationale for optimism in 2020 is basically the same as it was going to last year, and that is transfers everywhere. The moniker uh, Transfer Portal McGee for um, <laughs> for Lovey is amazing, although I think I prefer Champagne Santa. Um, so Illinois returns four starting O-linemen. They weren't great on O-line last year, but if they stay healthy, they also bring in a really great FCFs player to fill one of, to fill the one departure at right guard you should get better performance from this more seasoned group in 2020. Um, the running back room is 100% brand new. Chase Brown transfers in from Western Michigan. Reggie Love is kind of an interesting recruit. The top uh, the top guy who was returning, Ravon, Bar- Bar- Ravon Bonner, is the, is the guy you alluded to earlier, Sam, who opted out. But they lost Reggie Corbin. They lost Dre Brown. Neither one of them was that great last year, let's be honest. Um they bring back former U- USC transfer Josh Amaterbebe as the top guy uh, in the receiver core, and they bring in several, and, and as well as several, several other guys with experience. But they're rounding out their receivers with some really key targets. And this is this is probably the thing: if you're going to get excited about Illinois in 2020, this is what you're going to get excited about. So, uh, oh, what's his name? Ford. I'm I'm missing his first Luke Ford. That's what it is. Luke Ford. Um. He was declined a waiver to play last year. He finally gets to play in 2020. He was the top tight end in Illinois two years ago. He left the state to play at Georgia, transferred back to be closer to family. This guy is like a top five recruit from the state of Illinois lining up at tight end for the Illini this year. Was that, been, was that the ridiculous NCAA denied his transfer? Yes, that's, like the, that's the one that was real, real shitty. Like that he should have been allowed to play last year. And it was kind of unfathomable that he was not. Um, Desmond Dan was a, uh, a decent wideout in New Mexico state, granted it's New Mexico state, but again, a experienced guy who transfers in and then Brian Hightower, who was a massive recruit, uh, went to Miami, transferred back from Miami and was granted eligibility to play this year. So they're bringing in a ton of talent at wide receiver, but quarterback remains the problem here. So Brandon Peters is back for a senior year and we have enough tape at this point on this guy that there's no reason to believe that he can suddenly improve his accuracy. He was 53% at Michigan. He was 55% with Illinois last year. That's not good, and there's there's no reason to think that that suddenly gets better. Mobility and sacks will continue to remain a problem, and statistically, as John already pointed out, like the D's not going to get nearly as many turnovers, and the offense is going to be in much tougher positions uh, throughout the course of the game. They had amazing field position last year. I continue to think that Isaiah Williams is an X factor. I mean, this guy was a top flight recruit that they brought in last year. They really didn't do anything with him. I doubt that he's actually going to convert to wide receiver, um, especially with all the talent that they brought in there. Like, like maybe you convert him to a running back and spread things out. Like, cause since the running back room is kind of thin, maybe I, I don't know. Like I, I still think maybe you play him at QB and you just run the, the wing T like they did under Ron Zook that one year. But <laughs> like, 
the most likely outcome is, you know, maybe they get a slight improvement over last year because the O-line is better. You know, maybe their, their rushing yards are a little bit better and they, and they've brought in a lot more explosive talent at wide receiver, but they're going to have reduced scoring efficiency due to starting field position, turnover luck, and a lack of progress at quarterback. And that's just going to hamper this offense. Something else that's going to hamper them is their schedule. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Hello. Opening up the season at Wisconsin. Um, we haven't talked about this, but uh, the injury to Jack Cohn opens things up for uh, Graham Mertz uh, with the Badgers. But that that's going to be real interesting on that front. Don't see a win there. Uh, I mean, like, like John said earlier, like Wisconsin doesn't need to throw the ball yeah. to win this game. <laughs> no. Exactly. no, they sure don't. Uh, home against Purdue. We, we've spoken about Purdue. They should be a fully armed and operational battle station. Uh, at Minnesota, or I'm sorry, home for Minnesota. Then they're at Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Ohio State and Iowa before finishing up the season at Northwestern to wrap up the year on December 12th. Whoa, Nelly. Yeah. So they're at Rutgers. I, that, so that could be a W. I want to know, so the... Map out a scenario for me where Illinois wins three games. Give me a three and five scenario for Illinois. I mean, I, I Rutgers certainly. Yeah, Rutgers. Nebraska. Nebraska. Maybe, I it, think is going to be a game. Then I don't. But that that, I don't that, that one's in Lincoln. Right. No, I mean it's it's in Lincoln. I mean I. The, I mean, whatever, the, the stadium's going to be empty. So an empty stadium in Lincoln, empty stadium in Champaign. Doesn't really matter. Right. I, I mean, I think that's your, your West Cellar fight. I just don't know after that, who is it? Purdue? I mean, Minnesota's the other, Minnesota's the leverage spot, or, or Purdue, right? So let's say something befalls Purdue and their offense, you know, last year, that like the quarterbacks both fall off from last year for some inexplicable reason, like Aiden O'Connell gets the yips and uh, Jack Plummer can't throw any or gets hurt, you know, like maybe, maybe Purdue because their defense is, is pretty deficient or maybe, you know, maybe Minnesota is a complete and total train wreck on offense. I just, I, I don't think that's plausible, but um, I, I, yeah, I don't I, like, I, I I'm with you, John. I mean, the thing is like Wisconsin is going to be angry. Ohio state is like, like let's not even talk joke about that. Um, I guess Iowa. They only lost to Iowa nineteen to ten last year, and Iowa was a pretty terrible run team last year, and maybe won't get much better this year. So I don't know. But like before anyone calls us a homer, I want to point out something that neither of us mentioned in our previews, and that's that you know the worst Northwestern team in a decade beat the best Illinois team in a decade last year. So let's not let's not circle December twelfth and think that there's anything other than a likely Northwestern win happening that day. I mean, we've won seven of our last eight, and we always play good football against Illinois because we're filled with hate for them. Like, I don't like there's it. Ain't, it ain't that game. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. don't don't throw out the record books for that game. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know if you make me circle a potential third win, I, I'm going to go Purdue for exactly the reasons that you you brought up. Um, Purdue's defense is bad. And if Illinois has something cooking on offense, um, they can trade points. And and it's right. I mean, like, they're getting the full operational Purdue battle station in the second week of the season. Like, I'm sorry. Like, unless some disaster falls, Purdue is, like, 
every single weapon will be at their disposal for that game. Um, and I, I mean, I guess, and, and the thing is, I mean, it's like you really go searching after that. I mean, you know, it, you, you want it to be Minnesota, but Minis- I mean, the, the difference in talent between Minnesota's offensive line and Illinois' defensive line is seismic. Minnesota and, has I mean, we, a talk, we good talked about this O-line. last week. I mean, Minnesota's offense is going to be respectable, right? Yeah, I mean, we I think like Minnesota overachieved last year, but we still think they're a good team. Like that, like they shouldn't. They're they're probably not going to be in the mix for the conference title, but they're still like a decent team. And Illinois is is not that. Yeah, I mean, I think the most likely scenario is one and seven. I think, and then you know. Potentially one and eight, I guess, depending on who they play again. Um, in my head, I'm already like, I'm already going in my head. I'm like, well, the Big Ten's not going to want to make them play Rutgers again, so they're probably going to get Maryland. The last week <laughs> of the are they are they worse than Rutgers? It's I been a long know. time since we previewed Rutgers. Like Rutgers two. is Rutgers is so bad. Um, no, I, I'm going to say, but they can usually run the ball, right? Like some. I'm, I mean, and, I'm gonna, and we don't know what uh, Greg Schiano is going to be bringing to the party. I mean, yeah. he might like. I, I don't know. I mean, he might put on a helmet. Like exactly, right? You, we I don't mean, know I what get, he's bringing I, to the party. Well, Rutgers is the thing. Is Rutgers is pretty horrible across the board on defense? Illinois, as I said, like they have like a competent secondary. They have decent linebackers they're just so unbelievably soft up front and defensive line is the most important part of a defense and they are maybe the worst in the conference i mean they're up there with maryland so i think you know it's certainly they're not i'm not expecting them to run away with it by any stretch of the imagination um i will really be looking at that nebraska illinois game though because i feel like that's a potential those two teams are pretty similar and as much as Nebraska fans don't want to believe that, and and I think that's probably the game that's going to determine the basement of the West. So, um, but I I think most realistically, like you said, even empty stadium, it's still on the road. Um, I I kind of believe that Nebraska is a shade better than Illinois, and I yeah, yeah I, I, I think it, I think Illinois is going one and seven. I think that's just the reality of it. With zero and eight, absolutely on the table. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, no, no arguments here. I mean, it's you know, normally we have a little bit more to banter back and forth. <laughs> I was, on a team. I was going to say, so we can fill for another five minutes about Illinois sucking. I mean, I can find material. Um, always. I mean, you know, l- can we talk about Lovey's beard? <laughs> <laughs> I know it is kind of going against the grain that you know in quarantine he got rid of the beard. Yeah, um, very, very bizarre. Very bizarre. Yeah, he, he can't really be Champagne Santa anymore. I know it needs it needs to come back. See, this is the kind of normalcy that we need restored. You know, do you think that they fire him if he if they go that bad if they if they're that bad this year? God, I mean, he's I mean, squeezed... I, I like I, my reaction is kind of like like what's the point? Why he's at least bringing interesting talent to Illinois? Yeah, I mean, the the tr- his transfer prowess is is show, starting to show up, but like, what's when's his contract up? I mean. The state of Illinois has zero money. They're not going to, like, are they going to pay two coaches? It's just to, like, I mean, I mean, I remember reading an article on Sports Illustrated a couple of months ago that we all had plenty of guffaws over talking about just 
his complete unabashed reliance on the transfer portal now. And, you know, Scuzz mapped it out, and I talked about it a little bit, but, I mean, he's really trying to butter all his bread with guys who did not pick Illinois out of high school. And that's just not sustainable. No, I mean, you're, you're kind of just, you're tarring and feathering your kind of program um, in, you know, to try to jury rig wins year after year. And it's like the long-term damage that you're doing to the program is like, well, we're, you know, we can't really do anything by recruiting. Like that reputation, like people notice those kinds of things. And, you know, picking up an extra win here or there is, it's, I just don't see it being worth it. Uh, November 26th, 2018, Chicago Chicago Tribune headline, handcuffed handcuffed by Lovey Smith's contract. Illinois' only move was to extend it. Um, They extended it. Oh, my God. In in 2018, they extended it for two more years, which was kind of, like, unfathomable. So it it goes out to 2023. Um, So he's still got three more years on it after after this season. Yeah, they're they're not going to eat three years of contract I agree. I don't, I don't think that I also like Illinois football has lost so much respect. Um, I mean, we, we loved to shit on Ron Zook, but he did have that one amazing year. Right. Um, I just, I don't know that Ron Zook was that was really that good of a football coach. Lovey Smith, like is a well-respected dude. I, he's, he's, you know, I, I would like to think that he's a really good mentor um, to these players and, you know, that his his perspectives are in the right place. Like, I don't I th- the problem for Illinois is I, I don't think it's the coach. I, I, I think it's it's the, the culture and the culture and the the history. And they just they need I don't I don't know what they need but they've they, had, what they, do they need, need a paradigm shift. What, what, they need what, they need someone to be able to come in there and just completely change the paradigm because you know Illinois football has been a joke for a really really long time. Last year notwithstanding, I mean they went 6 and 6 and everyone was like what the fuck was this? When do you let him try to be that paradigm shift? Like it's it's a it's like a a super mellow like kind of like shaving your beard in a pandemic, right? Like it's 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 the the unexpected paradigm shift, but like is is stability from, you know, a reasonable not crazy person um enough of a paradigm shift to maybe build something there in the long 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 run? Especially when you consider like you know, we're getting old enough and you know, he's far enough past the, you know, head coach of the Bears taking him to the Super Bowl. Like these kids he's recruiting have zero memory of him as the head coach of the bears. I mean, I, everything needs to stay exactly the way it is. That's what I think. What do they need? They need to just stay the course. This is fantastic. Keep, keep on (laughs) keeping on. Um, That's change. Nothing. Illinois just needs to stay being Illinois. Um, And that's good enough for me, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's weird because I think the more entrenched he gets, um, I think the, but, but, and, you know, I think there's this idea too, that he, you know, he switched Hardy Nickerson went out the door after the season before last season, because things were so horrible on defense. And then they lucked into this run of luck and he can kind of be like, well, you know, I took over the play calling duties and we're really (laughs) headed in, headed in the right direction. It's like, how about that extension? It's like, sure. Great. Great. Lock him, lock him down. 
change nothing. Uh, we're, I'm perfectly happy with the current trajectory of football in the state of Illinois. Cheers, boys. Here's to the Illini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's. I don't think there's much more to say. Um, other than that, we're two weeks away from game day. Yeah, as, as we record this on uh, the 8th, you know, just, you know, we've got this weekend of games, next weekend of games, and then the Big Ten enters the chat, if you will. Yeah, I think this is right around the time they stop feeding the Badger uh, for, you know, so that for the next two weeks or so he can get nice and ravenous. Um, and then I think they, they deliver him up some nice tasty Illini. Well, uh, should we just go ahead and leave it there for tonight? I think I think it's best to let this one simmer. Absolutely. Well, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics. Look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.